Welcome to the Let's Think About That podcast where we don't just react. We'll break it down and think about it. We're going to talk news, the law, sports, whatever we're thinking about. We're your hosts, Ed Yeager and Lee Allen. Lee, how are you tonight, my friend? Doing well, Ed. Hope you are. I am well. And, you know, I was just look, kind of looking at my my little list of show notes for what it's worth. And, and looking at last week, we talked about the Twitter files. We talked about the border. Um, and we even mentioned FTX. And it seems like those same stories are in the news this week. It's like, like nothing has changed and they've gotten worse. It's like a bad cold. It won't go away. I know you've been really kind of following the Twitter files more than I have. But the one thing that's kind of jumped out at me is just the degree to which the FBI and apparently other governmental agencies were involved in trying to tell Twitter what they could put on their platform. Yeah. And Twitter was letting them do it uh, and, and agreeing with them. Um you know, even when there was pushback from some people within Twitter about certain things, for instance, some, you know, uh, deplatforming the uh, Donald Trump when he was president, and and you know, there was ex- expressed in emails that he didn't really violate any policies, and it still happened because someone there at Twitter wanted it to happen. Um, and I, you know. Uh, we were talking earlier, and you said that uh, you were not a big fan of the the uh, the evidence, so to speak, coming out in in fits and starts. Um, and, and I agree with you. I mean, I don't know why they couldn't just put all this out at once. Um, I, 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 you know, he keeps telling us that more's coming, more's coming. I assume it is, but I don't understand why he's teasing it like that. I just want to ask you one question about this because. You said, yeah, and Twitter was letting the government tell them what to, to put on. But isn't that because the government was all over stories that would um, have benefited the Trump campaign? I mean, if the government and remember, this was the government under Donald Trump. It was the deep state at work basically trying to torpedo his election chances. If those same folks had been doing this to push his electoral chances. Do you think the Twitter executives would have been buying that? No, I don't. Not in the least. I think it, it's because the, for the most part, and, and it looks like even for all parts, it's because the Twitter employees, at least at a certain level, um, are leftists. And and even those who pushed back on in certain instances, I don't think were Trump fans. I think they were just perhaps more honest um, and honorable. Um, about the situation and, and questioned uh, some internal policies that Twitter had, not even so much the law or fairness or First Amendment or any of that. Well, I think they pushed back when Twitter had a policy and they were saying, well, you're not even following our own policy. Right. And, and then yeah. the response was, well, basically, don't you understand? Orange man, bad. That's the new yeah. policy. Well, exactly. And and so they, they were more pushing, as you say, they were more pushing back about the the, the policy issue rather than saying, well, I'm conservative and I don't think it's good to, to squelch Donald Trump or, or that kind of thing. And, and, and it wasn't, you know, I'm liberal, but I'm in favor of free speech, and I don't think the government ought to be intruding on the speech of, of its political participants in this way. It was more of this, this is our policy and you're, you're, not, you're not abiding by it. So I think there's no question it's it's an alignment of values between the deep state, as you say, and I think you're right, and the, most, if not all, of the folks at Twitter. What do you think is still to come? 
I don't know. I guess there's two ways to look at it. Um, you know, when we were in law school, they, they told us to make your best argument first, to lead with that. Um, I think from a, a an entertainment perspective or a drama perspective, you, you, you lead with your weaker uh, evidence and, and, and finish strong with a, your best, uh, sort of the denouement uh, moment. So I guess uh, it could be more of the same, um, perhaps not even as interesting, or it could be a bombshell. Um, and like we said last week, though, I'm not sure it matters if, if the mainstream media doesn't pick it up. And, you know, I expressed the opinion last week, and I still hold true that um, – I think Congress holding hearings on this may force the mainstream media to cover it. Um, but uh, short of that, I don't I don't know that it's going to happen. Yeah, I agree. And I just wonder if perhaps Musk is going to release any of the internal messages that might have been altered or censored by the former general counsel. They are also the former you know, attorney for the FBI, James Baker, who has been fired from the company and just whether there'll be any revelations in that. Well, he's, he certainly has alluded to that, uh, if not outright said it. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess, uh, guardedly hopeful uh, that some of that may come out. Um, you wonder, at some point, is somebody going to have um, a fit of conscience uh, and, and recognize the potential evil, if it's not outright evil, that's involved with the government censoring political opponents. A fit of consciousness. Yeah. You know, to tell something or, or, or become a whistleblower, uh, you know, the, the proverbial deep throat to the Twitter gate, I guess. Um, I, I'd, I'd like to think that would happen, but I, I'm almost to the point where it's 2022 and that doesn't happen in the leftist camp. You know, when 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 Bill Clinton sent all of his cabinet members out to say that nothing happened with Monica Lewinsky. And then it turned out that it did happen and he lied to them and he lied to the American people. And not a one of them resigned and said, you know, you you, you sent me out there to lie and I'm, I'm not going to play in this this game anymore. I think that spoke volumes about where we are as a country. Because it's about political power. And, and to me, it wasn't just about the the people who went out to lie for Bill Clinton. And, you know, I know we're we're kind of getting far afield here, but I, I do think it's relevant. We are. And you made a good point. But to me, it's not about those folks. It's about the ones on Capitol Hill who, when the first story came out, they said, well, we don't think that's true. If it's true, though, he does not deserve to continue in power. And yet, by the time Slick Willie worked his magic on all of them and convinced them they would lose power, they all stood behind him and said, well, it's a personal matter now. Right. And then uh, our friend from Pennsylvania found uh, some obscure provision of Scottish law that he believed gave him the cover to vote to acquit. And the body politic, with any moral sense, blanched, and it's been downhill ever since. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I, I agree with you on that. Now, the other thing, last week we had a border expert on to talk about the situation of the southern border. And 
Um, and I urge the listeners, if you haven't heard that interview, go back and, and listen to it. It's great. Uh, but, you know, the situation hasn't gotten any better. And it seems to be on a collision course with the deadline when Title 42 gets lifted. Yeah, it, it, the, the situation has gotten worse since we since we did our show last week. The stories are about thousands of people coming over each day, and it's more in Mexico waiting to come, and it's just unbelievable. And the buses bringing them to the NGOs right there at the border, and then they, 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 they go in the door and, I don't know, get some coffee or some cash or whatever, and then out they go and cross the river right there at, at El Paso. And it's not dozens, it's not even hundreds, and then it's in the thousands per day that are just flooding into the country. Why don't you tell us, what, what is this deal with Title 42, and is there a sunset provision, or or why is it being lifted next Wednesday? The use of Title 42 to exclude or to return certain folks who were coming in, it's a public health statute, it was challenged in court, the judge ruled that it could no longer be used, uh, but he gave the federal government until December 21st before his order would become effective so that they could create an alternate plan for how they could manage the border or, or how, as some people are now saying, they could have operational control of the border. Uh, that's what the delay was all about. It was actually you know, a judge said it was illegal to do it. Now, that's an argument that, that we can certainly have, and, and you know, I'm not agreeing with that. But, you know, once he said that, he could have said, stop doing it now. And, and should have, if it was, in fact, illegal. Right. Instead, he gave, the, he gave you know, DHS an opportunity to come up with some, some other plan. Now, they have not announced any other plan um, other than they've taken the air marshals, made them go to the border so they can provide some extra uh, security, they've asked for volunteers within DHS and its various agencies to try to get more people down there, but they have no plan to really deal with it. Oh, oh, and by the way, uh, they sued the state of Arizona because Arizona was using some shipping containers to try to control kind of a quasi wall that they were building with these shipping containers to try to control the border. So, in effect, the court gave DHS until December 21st to come up with a plan. Um, that plan, we don't know what it is. We don't see any evidence of it. It doesn't seem like they're going to announce it either. I mean, I, 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 all evidence would suggest they don't have a plan. They don't want a plan. They're just going to let Title 42 wither on the vine and die. Their plan is to maintain an open border and to allow uh, the rest of Central America, South America, as well as points all over the world to uh, come through that area into the U.S. I did hear this morning on the radio as I was going to work, Kevin McCarthy said if he got to be speaker and he was going to convene hearings and hold them at the border um, to to force uh, some attention to the border and, and to force some of the congressional members uh, to uh, to actually go to the border and, and eyeball the situation and, and uh, discuss it. Which I think would be good. I think it would, too. That's an interesting idea. It would also force some of the media to be there. I'm sure they'll call it a publicity stunt, but at least they would be forced to uh, go. And according to him, the arrangements have been made. Planes have been uh, chartered and so forth. And, uh, you know, he's just awaiting, I guess, a, a, a vote, a successful vote uh, for him to be speaker. Well, we'll certainly stay tuned for that. 
you know, Leo, I want to turn our attention to the interview we conducted earlier with Luke Berg. Luke Berg is representing a plaintiff named Marissa Darling in a suit against several individuals as well as the Milwaukee public school system after she was terminated. And I uh, just want to get your thoughts on that before we play. It was a most interesting interview. I thought Mr. Berg was um, was quite well-spoken. He, he, he certainly has a handle on the law and the Constitution and seems to be doing good things for his client, Ms. Darling, and, and trying to have her reinstated to her position. Um, and, that, you know, I guess uh, I was interested as much in the work of this firm, um, which is a public interest law firm, uh, generally speaking, not just this one case. It seems like they are aggressive in representing individuals and small businesses uh, in, in cases where their liberties have been um, infringed upon by, by our friend big government. I agree. I think it's interesting. I think our listeners will enjoy this. Well, we're excited to be joined by Luke Berg of the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty. Luke, how are you today? Good. Thank you for having me on. I'm glad to do it. We, we really wanted to hear the story that you have. It's It's been reported somewhat, I guess, in national news media, but of your representation of uh, Marissa Darling in a lawsuit against um, her former employer, a public school system in Wisconsin. Uh, and I'll let you tell the story, but as I understand it, she was terminated because of comments she made away from work, which they viewed as hostile to, to transgender students. Am I summarizing that accurately? Uh, yes, that's a, that's a very high-level synopsis of what happened. So Marissa Darling uh, was a guidance counselor in the Milwaukee Public School District uh, at an elementary school. She is also a feminist and uh, believes that some aspects of transgender ideology and policies do harm to children. So last April, uh, a group of women in Wisconsin put together uh, an event in Madison uh, it included speeches, uh, workshops, a panel of speakers, uh, a rally at the state capitol, a variety of events, uh, all centering around how these women believe that certain aspects of transgender ideology are harming women and children. And one of the events during this was a speaker's corner on the steps of the state capitol. Uh, so they set up a microphone and uh, reserved the space on the steps of the state capitol. And anybody who was in attendance at the event could stand up and speak and uh, say what they wanted to about this topic. You might have seen these events in other cities around the country. Uh, let, let women speak is one of the catch, catchphrases that they use in these events. Anyway, so uh, a variety of women spoke during the speaker's corner um, Marissa got up and spoke very briefly for about two minutes. Uh, it was unscripted. She was not planning to speak, but felt compelled to uh, because throughout the weekend, there was a group of people who were counter-protesting the event, uh, saying things like, no turfs on our turf. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, turf, T-E-R-F, is a, a slur against uh, women who share the views that uh, Marissa and the other women at this event have. Uh, anyway, and she saw multiple of these protesters wearing 
uh, shirts that had an image of a knife that said protect trans kids and various people at the event called these the women Nazis and uh, various other inappropriate slurs that I won't repeat. Um, so she just felt like uh, compelled by what was happening around her to speak her mind about how she believes some of these ideologies harm children. And she got up and spoke and uh, even during her speech explained that she was speaking because she feels like she exists in this world to protect children. And she feels like a lot of uh, aspects of this ideology is actually harmful to children, particularly uh, the medical transition of children, uh, puberty blockers, hormones, the like. Uh, she was worked up during the event, so her, her speech was profanity-laden. She, she used the F word multiple times, um, but it was very short and, and unscripted, like I said. So the entire event, uh, the Speaker's Corner, was live streamed on YouTube uh, and later posted to YouTube for anyone to watch after the fact. Uh, as she later learned, immediately after the event, uh, the counter-protesters who were there uh, started a campaign to cancel her, to get her fired from her job. So they, we believe, uh, filed a complaint with DPI, Department of Public Instruction, uh, and then they began spamming emails to the district calling for Marissa to be fired from her job because she gave this speech. So shortly after the event, Marissa received a letter from DPI, the Department of Public Instruction, the State Department, uh, saying some facts have come to our attention that you may have engaged in quote-unquote immoral conduct, uh, and the only immoral conduct they could point to was her speech, and threatening to take away her license uh, and her livelihood for speaking on her own time. Very clear First Amendment violation. So uh, we got involved at that point, uh, wrote a letter in response to DPI on her behalf. Um, but at the same time that that was happening, uh, her school, unbeknownst to her at the time, was had begun an investigation into her, into her speech and into uh, her job as a counselor. Uh, fast forward to... Uh, late May, early June, she gets a letter from her supervisor who hand delivers it to her saying, uh, we believe you violated, you know, these 15 different policies. We'll have a misconduct hearing in five days. They wouldn't tell her what they think she did that violated any of those policies. We assumed it was her speech in April and it was, that's what it turned out to be, but they wouldn't tell her what it was. Uh, two days later, they suspended her. They sent her a no trespassing order. Again, they wouldn't tell her the basis for any of this. Uh, and then during the misconduct hearing, they uh, dumped this packet of materials on her, all of which centered around her speech in April. Uh, and we spent the summer trying to work with the district, trying to resolve the issue. Um, but it was clear that they were hell-bent on firing her, and it didn't matter what she said or did. Uh, and so next fall, uh, September 30th, they finally terminated her. Uh, and then we followed up and filed a lawsuit, a federal lawsuit under the First Amendment and part of the 14th Amendment related to some due process issues uh, on her behalf. And that's currently being litigated in the Eastern District of Wisconsin. And Luke, it looks like I looked at the complaint earlier and it looks like you just filed that on November 16th. So. 
what's the next step in that litigation process? So we actually just a few days ago moved for a preliminary injunction as well. Uh, so the next step is the defendants in the case will file an answer to the complaint. Uh, they will have to respond to our preliminary injunction motion on a schedule that's yet to be set. Uh, and then we will eventually have a hearing on that motion and, and hopefully the court will rule, rule in Marissa's favor. Um, so, so Luke, um, let me ask you this. Um, did, did your client identify herself as a public school teacher? And if so, a, a, a teacher at a particular school? And, and if so, does that matter in the constitutional analysis? Yeah, good question. She did identify herself as a counselor in the Milwaukee Public School District. She did not identify where she taught. Uh, she didn't name her school. She wasn't criticizing or addressing any particular uh, policy or decision of the district. She just got up and said, you know, my name is Marissa Darling. I'm a school counselor in the Milwaukee Public School District. I oppose gender ideology in the schools. I think this harms children. Here's why. So um, in our view, no, the fact that she identified herself as a counselor in the Milwaukee Public School District is not relevant to the constitutional analysis. Uh, in fact, the seminal case in this area is called Pickering. Uh, it involved a school teacher who wrote a letter to the editor criticizing the school's budget. And the court not only did not find it significant that the teacher had identified himself, the court said uh, teachers in particular through their jobs gain information that is of, of interest to the public at large. And they, more than anybody else, should be able to comment on school-related issues publicly uh, because the public has an interest in these issues. Uh, and so that actually was... Uh, part of why it was a First Amendment violation was that teachers need to be able to speak publicly on important, important issues, school related issues of our time. Uh, and, you know, this obviously qualifies. This is a, a major issue that is being debated, uh, in lots of circles, uh, in, you know, public policy circles and expert circles in, in the school world. Uh, and there's a significant debate about how to help young people who deal with uh, gender identity struggles, which is a real struggle that children deal with. But there is a debate about uh, what do we do when children deal with that? Do we immediately affirm that this is who, really who they are and, uh, you know, put them on puberty blockers and ultimately uh, give them surgery? Or do we help them deal with uh what's causing their feelings and why they have these thoughts that they're born in the wrong body. Uh, and there's a lot of people who think that the latter is the, the appropriate approach and that the former is doing long-term harm to children. And that's the idea that uh, Marissa was trying to express. And she should have a right to do that on her own time on a Saturday. This, this, this was a Saturday rally. It was, it was 80 miles from where she worked. It was her own time. This was not, uh, this was not part of her job duties. Interesting. Very interesting. Ed? I, I did a little bit of digging around the website for the Wisconsin Institute for Law and Liberty, um, and it seems like you guys do a lot of litigation of this type or and become involved in public policy issues. So you know, maybe you are, are the right person to ask this question to, because 
recently, you know, I think about the the Jack Phillips, the, the Cake Baker case. There's one that was just at the Supreme Court this year involving website design and, and kind of look at that whole, you know, I guess the, the path that we've gone through over the last, you know, however many years it's been since Obergefell and where we are as a culture. So I guess long story to get to this question is, you know, what is your kind of view on what's going on in our society today with these types of issues that are being pressed um, and being pressed further to cancel people or to get them fired from their jobs? And what's where are we going in the future if we continue on this path? Yeah, that is a deep and good question. Yeah, it, it feels like there is this trend, not feels like there is a trend uh, among some on the left who uh, attempt to silence or punish or censure uh, any any speech that that they disagree with that in their view is not politically correct or is not the the correct narrative and that that is a terrifying uh, a terrifying position to take right I mean that is that is authoritarian uh, and that is very antithetical to the First Amendment to the principles on which our our culture and system was based. Um, but that seems to be where, where some on the left are going. The, the current revelations in the Twitter files, I think, are just the latest instance of that. Um, and I think that's what this represents is yet another instance where, uh, some in the Milwaukee Public School District think that is their job to silence and punish speech that they disagree with. Uh, and that is that is unconstitutional, but it's also immoral. It's also wrong. Uh, we need we need speech on these topics, especially ones as important as this. Right. If we care about uh, kids who struggle with these issues and we all should care about kids who struggle with gender identity issues, what we should be most concerned about is figuring out what the best way is to help them. And it's not clear at all that puberty blockers and surgery is helping them. It, it may actually be doing permanent long-term damage to these young people. And we need to be able to have that debate. We need to be able to have that conversation. And people like Marissa, who have some insight into these issues because they deal with children on a regular basis, need to be able to express their opinions on that issue without fear of being fired from their job the next day uh, simply for speaking up. Well, we certainly agree with 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 that position as well. Um, if if I uh, could, Luke, could you tell us about your about the Wisconsin Institute, what what I would call your firm, and uh, you know what you guys do and 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 how you do it? Yeah, we are a, a, a nonprofit public interest law firm. Uh, we're Wisconsin based, so we do a lot of Wisconsin based cases, but we've done some, some more national cases and cases outside of Wisconsin as well. Um, but we're interested in First Amendment issues, um, religious liberty issues, um, um, issues where the government exceeds its authority, its statutory authority, separation of powers issues. So we brought a variety of cases in, in a number of different topics. Um, I have a number of cases on parents' rights in particular. So this is sort of tangentially related to um, Marissa Darling's case. Uh, a number of school districts around the country and, and a number in Wisconsin have adopted policies that students of any age can change their gender identity at school in secret from their parents 
and school staff are prohibited from communicating with parents about what's happening in school. Uh, basically, if the student wants to secretly transition at school and doesn't want their parents to know about it, uh, staff are prohibited from notifying parents, getting parental consent, even letting them know what's happening. Uh, and in our view, this is a, a pretty stunning violation of parents' rights. Uh, there's a, a long line of cases holding that that parents have uh, decision-making authority over their children. Uh, and this is a pretty serious deviation from that and violation of that. So we have uh, currently three, three different cases uh, suing school districts for policies like that. Um, and I think that those cases reflect a similar theme where school districts have taken the position that parents who disagree, parents who might say no to a transition because they don't believe that's what's best for their children, uh, they need to be cut out of the conversation, excluded, and uh, actively deceived to hide from them what's happening with their kids because, you know, the school district knows better. And I think that's the same philosophy underlying what happened to Marissa. Uh, they fired her for speech because uh, certain staff in the Milwaukee Public School District think they know better and think that, you know, she's doing harm by speaking publicly to express a viewpoint that they disagree with. And that's wrong. And we'll fight it, fight that wherever it turns up. Uh, Luke, I, you know, I could probably spend another hour going through all of those cases. It's fascinating, um, but, I'm, but I'm not going to ask you for that. We appreciate your time today. Uh, I'll see if Lee has any final questions. Well, yeah, we certainly do appreciate your time, Luke. And, and, you know, I'll speak for myself. I personally think you're, you're doing the Lord's work. Um, what is, what's your, your, um, the Institute's website and how can folks learn more about you? Yeah. Our website is, uh, will-law.org, W-I-L-L hyphen law.org. Um, you can get on our, our news list. If you want to hear updates about our cases, uh, you can also, uh, see our press releases on there and, and look at various case pages to, to read about our cases. We try to post, uh, the major filings in our cases, um, so that you can see the complaints and, and the various things that we're doing as well, uh, that way. Excellent. Well, I don't have anything else, but Luke, we appreciate your time today and hearing about Ms. Darling's story is certainly something that we'll be following as we go forward. Well, I appreciate you both for following it and, and covering it. And thank you for having me on the show. Our pleasure. Uh, again, we want to thank Luke Berg for participating today and for hearing about this story against the Milwaukee public school system. And just so everyone knows, I did reach out to the chief human resources officer who signed off on the termination letter for a comment. We've not received any comment or any excuse from the Milwaukee public schools on this situation. And we're not holding our breath either. That's a, that's a good way to put it, Lee. What's on the, the Jaeger radar? You know, the big thing on the radar right now has to be the situation at the border and what's going to happen over the next week when uh, Title 42 gets lifted and just how many more people flock toward the border and what type of idiotic plan comes out of the administration to allow more to come in. Uh, we, I know we talked about that earlier, but that's, that's number one. Now, number two, is honestly what's going to happen in Congress in terms of spending. Um, as 
I'm sure everyone knows the government is scheduled to run out of money, to run out of spending authority next week. Uh, the Democrats want to push for an omnibus spending bill. That's what they're calling it now. Could fund the government for months and months, if not all of 2023. Uh, and unfortunately, it looks like they might be aided and abetted by some Republicans in this this goal. And so I'm waiting to see what's going to happen with that. Uh, two people I've heard so far with names attached are both lame ducks. They're they're leaving Congress, and yet they're supposedly negotiating the bicameral bipartisan agreement. So I'm very concerned about that. Yeah, and the, the omnibus spending bill in the lame duck session of Congress is unprecedented, particularly when one is, when one house is going to change hands. Well, and that's the key point, because if they were to pass that, if this uh, were to get enough support from the Republicans to pass, they would essentially gut all of the leverage of the incoming House Republicans. Well, what's on your radar for the next week? Well, I, I think, I, I mean, I like the things that are on yours. Um, but in addition, I think uh, the situation with the speaker election, you know, we, and we keep reading about and hearing about the um, populist conservative wing of the Republican party in the house those folks are not kevin mccarthy fans and seem to be withholding support and threatening to go elsewhere with their votes and it 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 would seem that he doesn't at this point have the votes to win otherwise he would have had the election and the democrats have already done their things um and yet if if the republican uh populace the maga crowd if they don't get on board with mccarthy um, you could end up with a Democrat speaker. Uh, and, and certainly that's not in anybody's interest. Um, and I think it's one of those situations where, you know, McCarthy may not be your guy. He's certainly not your favorite, but he's better than a Democrat or a rhino who, for all intents and purposes, is a Democrat. So you hold your nose and you vote for him. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm growing more concerned about that. I mean, here it is, the middle of December, um, and we don't have a, a, a speaker-elect. So, You asked me three weeks ago whether I thought he would be elected as speaker, and I said then that I thought he would, and I, I'm still sticking by that prediction. And mostly for the reason you just said, that I, I can't imagine that in the end, um, no matter how the first vote comes out, I can't imagine that the final vote won't be for some Republican and with him being the primary candidate because there's really no one else galvanizing support. Um, I think enough Republicans fall in line that he wins the speakership. I, I hope so. Um, the, the other thing that's on the radar for me is a story I read early this morning. Um, and I don't even remember where I read it, but it has to do with the United States it's really two parts to it, but they're very related, if not almost identical. The United States is is going to provide the Ukrainians with Patriot missile batteries for missile defense. Putin said that was one of the reasons, if you will, that, that he would consider using nuclear weapons in his war with Ukraine. And then the other the other piece of this is that the Germans we're going to place uh, anti-missile batteries. I, I don't know that they were talking Patriots, maybe some other type, but maybe Patriots, um, in Poland along the border with Western Ukraine in an attempt to intercept 
any Russian missiles that might come uh, over uh, fr from that direction. And of course, then you have NATO country shooting missiles from another NATO country and targeting Russian missiles. That's real close to NATO becoming involved in the war if, if it's not there. Well, not only that, but there's an announcement that there's at least consideration of sending some American troops to Ukraine to monitor what's happening with the weapons. And, you know, we were talking about developments in the war all the time back in the spring and summer, and we haven't really discussed it a lot lately. But the fact is, it's still going on. There's nothing that has improved in that situation. We're as close to, you know, some type of horrible, you know, thermonuclear war breaking out, which crosses borders as we were before. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't see that we're any closer to anything being resolved. Uh, I heard we might even that, be closer to that war because the, the Ukrainians have made some geographical advances in the uh, late summer, early fall, and really were only stopped when the ground got too wet uh, really to, to maneuver on. And now that it's beginning to freeze again and tanks can can roll, uh, who knows? And, and today, or maybe it was overnight, but within the last, you know, 24, 48 hours, apparently Russia sent something like a, a small fleet of bomb-laden drones into the capital city of Ukraine. Uh, they had some type of defense system that shot down a dozen or so of those drones. But, you know, again, that's an attack on the civilian population. So, uh, yeah. Nothing has changed there. Nothing has gotten better. No, no. One other aspect of the whole story is that um, I guess in terms of certain munitions that the U.S. military needs, uh, they've blown through those stocks providing it to Ukraine. Uh, and some industry leaders said within the last week that they are completely out of Stinger missiles and they're going to have to refit the factory and it's going to be months down the road before they can produce more. Yeah. I'm so glad they published publicized that. Yeah, it's good for everybody to know. That's right. You got anything else for tonight? No, I don't think so. Okay. Well, thanks for tuning in for another episode of the Let's Think About That podcast. You can email us at comments at letsthinkpodcast.com. If you've enjoyed this show, please click subscribe with your podcast provider. Leave us a review and tell your friends. Mm -hmm.